You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode... Whoa, the most exciting episode of the year. People love this one. It's our favorite books of 2022. But first, before we get into that, what are you reading, Bria? Can you believe 2022? No. Should I not even talk about it? Um, I am reading a book from a couple years back called Well-Behaved Indian Women by Samia DeVay. You know this book? No, I've never heard okay. of this. It's um, a literary fiction book about a mother-daughter... It's actually three generations of Indian women. Um, one who still lives in India, the grandmother. One lives in... Um, one is uh, immigrated here... Um, and then one is her daughter born here. And it's mostly between the daughter and the mother. And it is about their relationships and their life and their life together and um, the complications of marriage. So it's sort of about the mother wanting more from her life and realizing that her life sort of revolves around her kids. And um, she she went to med school and became like a doctor, but she still basically has to do everything, all these sort of housewife things and do all this additional stuff, all the labor at home, but then is still, uh, and is a doctor. Jesus. And, um, and also uh, was in an arranged marriage and how, and how that was complicated for her. And then her daughter, the daughter, it's also from her perspective, um, isn't in an arranged marriage. She's been dating the same guy since high school and she is about to get married to him and how that starts to get complicated for her um, and how they don't totally understand each other. And of course, I think we'll come to understand each other over the course of the book. It's a great literary fiction book. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, what are you reading? So what I'm reading will not be a surprise to anyone who came to our uh, Reading Glasses holiday party. Thank mm. you all to, to everyone who participated. That was super fun. But I am still reading the same book that I was when I was when we were having that party. It is Babel by R.F. Kuang. Oh, yeah. It is I'm so I'm wanting good. to read this so much. I want to read it. I'm kind of just waiting now and I'll just read it next year when I'm in like the doldrums of 2024 and I don't know what to read because I feel like I'll love it, right? Cause it's, it's amazing. I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea because I, I I was in that mode of like, okay, I'm going to read as many 2022 releases mm-hmm. as I can. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to pick up a book that is the size of a brick. Yeah. And while I'm, because I'm also on a deadline for my next book. I was like, I, I don't I don't know why oh, I no. thought it was a good idea, but it still is amazing. Do not take the fact that I, I've been taking a long time to get through it as, as an indictment against how, how good it is because it's fucking amazing. And if I had finished it, it might have been in this episode. Who mm. knows? But I'm talking about it now. Uh, so it's called Babel and it's his, historical fantasy. And we were talking about it in the holiday Zoom. People were calling it, what was it, Bria Lingfic? Yeah, I forgot what they called it. Yeah, I think it was lingfic. Sorry, this person actually explained this whole thing, but yeah, it's like it's linguistic-based fiction. Yes, so it's a linguistic-based magic system in this book, and it takes place, I think it's like the, sometime in the mid-1800s, late-1800s, but like the main character is this young boy, and it's like... Very intense opening. It, like he lives in China, and the, like the opening of the book is him realizing that his entire family has died. Like it, there's this um, plague, like the sickness has taken everybody in his neighborhood, and he is very close to to death. And as he's like about to fucking die, this mysterious white man comes into his house and heals him with magic, and like brings takes him away and starts like rehabilitating him and he finds this kid finds out that this man is like this mysterious benefactor and has been kind of watching over him his whole life and providing him with books and because this kid is he's only like i think he's like 10 or 11 in the beginning of the book but he can speak like three languages already and he can read in english and he can he's really like like 
incredibly talented at linguistics. So this man adopts, sort of adopts him as his ward and brings him back home to London and starts training him in Latin and ancient Greek. And he's, this kid slowly starts to learn about the, the world of linguistics and the magic of linguistics that's in this world that's also tied to silver and like uh, engraving different words and silver can do different things like in all of London like the the, the horse horse drawn carriages go faster because they're inlaid with silver that's been engraved with certain words for speed wow. and there's this in Oxford there's this big tower that they call the Tower of Babel and it's um all like it's where all the the greatest linguistic minds of the world go to study and learn silver magic and so this kid starts to learn about you know about this world and about this magic but also you know he's paying attention to how closely he's been asked to like oppress his native language and the, the book really explores how colonization happens through oppression of different languages and so it's this like it's a all-star banger on all counts like great fantasy book like cool history, cool fantasy, but also like really amazing sort of um, uh, exploration of like how oppression happens through language. It's so smart and it's so good. I really, really love it. Uh, so that's Babel by R.F. Kuang. And mine is Well-Behaved Indian Woman by Samya Debay. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. This is the most exciting listener feedback oh, yeah. that we get of the year. So we took a poll in the Reading Glasses Slack and we asked everyone for their favorite books of the year. And so this is the official list of favorite Glasser reads. There's a lot on here, Mallory. How many are this? 20? Is there 20? Uh, I think maybe 14. Basically, okay. what I did this by hand where I asked everyone what their favorite books were and then I made a copy to hu- copied it all into a big wow. Google Docs list and then I Mallory goes yeah. above and beyond for y'all. Yeah. I tallied up which ones had the most votes. And okay. I will say the big the one that had the most votes above and beyond. One you and I both did not read. The one on this list that you and I both did not read it was I'm glad my mom died but by Jeanette McCurdy. I know. Which I'm gonna I am I'm gonna going read to read this. I am like one thousand three hundred and sixty sixth in line for the audiobook at Libby. And I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to try to wait for this from the library. But yeah, it feels like an order. This feels like an order. And I mean, like honestly, order. like, it, it, so many people loved it. It's on so many best of lists. So it's not oh, just yeah. the loving this one. It was like the one, of, it was on every single best of the year mm-hmm. list, you know, from Book Riot to NPR and all this stuff. And it, it topped the Glasser best of the year list. It was really exciting. And then we also had uh, very close to the top, we had A Prayer for the Crown Shy by Becky Chambers. No surprise there. We both love that. Mm-hmm. Sea of Tranquility by oh, Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah. Oh, so good. Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. No surprise there. That was, we started reading that because it was top of the um, best of the year halftime show from the Glassers. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. I Kiss Shara Wheeler by Casey McQuiston. What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. Lavender House by A.C. Rosen. Uh, Book Lovers by Emily Henry. The Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi. The Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik. Uh, Nana the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Uh, Babel by R.F. Kwong, Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey, How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu, Light Years from Home by Mike Chen, very exciting to see that on the list, um, uh, The Fervor by Almakatsu, also happy to see that, and uh, Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. I also tallied up people who emailed us as well. Oh, wow. Um, so we had a few emails from people who were telling us, but uh, I'm not, I don't, there's not a single surprise in this list for me. No, no, and I feel bad that we didn't read the top one, but we will read it. 
We, we read most of this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, some of them are doubled on our lists. Yes. I, there's several of these on my list. So this is very exciting, and we appreciate all of your feedback. It's and what great reading y'all did this year. I, so it's I, this tracks with my impression. It seems like Glasser's like genre fiction that is kind of queer. And kind of, and not, and more positive than negative. Yes. They're, like, it's Hopeful not, queer it's genre not, fiction. Uh, what is the one? Dark, dark goth. Grim, grim dark. Thank you. <laughs> dark goth, that's me. <laughs> grim dark. Not a lot of grim dark on here. It's much more like posicore. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think How High We Go in the Dark was more literary. Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Sea of Tranquility was more literary. But we definitely seems like specu- maybe it's speculative fiction that leans towards queer. And particularly, yeah, contemporary speculative fiction, it seems like. Yes, for sure. So yeah. interesting. Love to see this every year. And you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us maybe your favorite book of the year and you haven't so far. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we announce our favorite books of 2022, we're going to take a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, which would be so nice. Wow. You know, I love a user manual. I love opening it up, figuring Ooh, yeah. out how things work. I keep all my user manuals in a drawer. If only I had a drawer. I also do op- the same thing. Yeah, I opened one. I opened it up and I was like, how do I get through this tough time in my life? <laughs> how do I figure out my brain? How do I make a tough phone call? How do I quit this job? That would be so nice to have. Uh, But unfortunately, that doesn't exist. So when life is not working for you, it's pretty normal to feel stuck. And that's why I like going to therapy. Listen, we all know therapy is helpful. We talk about therapy on the show all of the time. There's so many benefits. And it is like a little bit like a user manual. You get to Mm -hmm. figure out things like how to make that difficult phone call, how to figure out your own brain. And it's, there's never an easy answer, nope. but it can help you talk through these things. And that is helpful. I, I really think my therapist is the MVP of my year this year. And the thing that's great about therapists is they don't tell you what to do. They don't make you do things. They help you figure out what's best for you. They might, I always say my therapist is like my little sheepdog that guides me through things that I'm, you know, I, I ask him questions all the time, but more often than not, it's him figure, helping me talk my way through and figure out the best way to do things. I have an anxiety disorder and it really controls a lot of things in my life. But thanks to years and years of therapy, I've been able to figure out ways to manage things and do things in a way that make my brain feel best. I always say it's like going to the gym for your brain. I go to the gym for my muscles and I go to therapy for my brain. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com glasses. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash glasses. 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 Hi everyone, I'm Ella McLeod. And I'm Alexis B. Preston. And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. 
Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's going to be a hoot on Maximum Fun. This week, drum roll please, or slide whistle, <laughs> we are announcing our favorite books of the year. It is our biggest, most exciting, and most difficult episode to put together. We're going to talk about our favorite picks in a bunch of different genres, along with some special categories and a couple new ones that are specific for this year. Bria, did you have a tough time choosing this year? I think we always do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, have you ever had not had a tough time? No, I think it's hard every single year. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> Hard because it's art and art is subjective. And unfortunately, there are books I read at the beginning of the year that by this point of the year, they probably, look, I've read 100 books in between now and then and I don't remember them. So they may have been on my list. So that is unfortunate. And I always worry about that where I'm like, oh, should this book I read in January be on my list? But I just read this other book. So it's probably more likely to be on my list. So I feel bad about stuff like that. And that makes it hard. But that's why we did the halftime show. That is why we did the halftime show. And people, y'all refer to that halftime show because there's a lot on that list that didn't make it to the end of the year, but they were obviously great books because they were on the halftime show. Uh, was it hard for you? Oh, yeah. I think uh, mostly because I read so many more you you new releases this yeah. year. I checked in 60% of the books that I read wow. this year were 2022 releases. And I will say there were probably five to 10 five-star books that did not make it onto this list. Yeah. It was brutal. Uh, I picked the ones that were my favorite. But also, as I wrote in this month's newsletter, you something that you and I have been talking about a lot recently, it's like the ones we couldn't stop thinking about. There were some five-star reads that uh, I looked at when I was writing this episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, I loved that, but I totally forgot about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the, but the picks that are in this episode were the ones that, like, right away, they stuck in our heads. We haven't been able to stop thinking about them. Uh, I think that for both of us has became sort of a theme is like books that we loved and we really couldn't stop thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, d definitely. And because even if it was the books that at the time I was like, well, this is a very me book. The books that stuck in my head were the ones that made it to the list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, were there any surprises on this list for you? Yeah, a few. I mean, I feel like I usually have a few more nonfiction books. I didn't read as much, non much nonfiction this year. Yeah, we should have read that fucking Jeanette McCarty book. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, not as many literary fiction. And then... I, which I will talk about in a second, I think I have a new wheelhouse. I think item. you do too. I really yeah, and I, I didn't realize it till this year, but there's two books that are of the same category where I was like, well, that's a surprise, but it is something I really like. Yeah. Um, spoiler, it's historical sci-fi, which I never, I guess I do like. I don't think about it, but it's something I do like. I don't think we've been really naming it until this year. I think you read a lot more historical. I think you would read like a few here and there, but this year I think you read a lot of them. I don't know if I did. I think I just read two that really I loved. Really so good. they ended up in there. But yeah, I do. I mean, and maybe it's that I, I think don't. there's just been more of it. There's probably been more of it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. That's it. What about you? Any surprises? Oh, I was the same way. I was, I, I'm shocked that I didn't pick more nonfiction. I only have one nonfiction pick this year. Yeah. Normally I have at least a few. And I think there, there are a couple that are still in my pile. There's mm -hmm. a new Melissa uh, Babos book and um, that How to Read Now book mm -hmm. by Elizabeth Castillo, I think her name is. Mm -hmm. 
that are still in my pile. And the problem is I hadn't been wanting to read nonfiction in the past few months because I've been working on my book. Oh, yeah. And I don't like reading nonfiction when I'm writing because I don't want anything influencing me. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Oh, yeah. I just wasn't drawn to it. I mean, maybe I was just looking for more escapist stuff. I didn't want to... I mean, the one there is one nonfiction book on my list, but yeah. I mean, I usually only have one on my list anyway. I just was surprised by how few I had yeah. vying for the nonfiction spot. Same. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I think my, one of my biggest surprises was our first, our top shared pick. Yes, because Mallory reached out and she, she said, these are our shared picks, right? And I said, no, actually. There was one on her list that I said, that's not going to be on my top list. And there was one, which we could talk about now, but it was it was one where I was like, it's I couldn't one of my believe. favorite books of the year, but because it, it made me cry and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And uh, it was on your halftime pick. Yes. yes. And I this book kind of came out of left field. I really like the last book by this author, but she hasn't written, a, she hasn't come out with a novel in a really long time. And this, I didn't, I don't think I, I think I pre-ordered this book like a week before it came out and all, all of a sudden it was there and it just blew, I think we both had the same yeah, experience. Yeah, what blew, it is. I feel like we're talking away. around it. I know, it's <laughs> Unlikely Animals by Annie Harnett. Yeah, that's our first shared pick of the year. It's so good and it's so unique and it's one of those books where I think you and I had the same experience where you're, not a lot happens but you can't fucking stop reading. Yeah, so it's interesting because I was telling some people about it and I was like, well, it's about this woman and she kind of at a crossroads of her life. She doesn't know what to do. She, she's like not doing well in school or dropping out or something and she goes home because her dad is sick. He's like seeing animals where there are not animals. And he's seeing a ghost of a man who is not the ghost of a, you know, we don't know if he's there or not. So he's kind of like going through like de- having some dementia, but it's still still very active. And it's just about her relationship with her family. Yes. But it's really well done. And it's told from the point of view, which I didn't remember when you described it. I'm sure you said this. It's told from the point of view of the, um, of citizens of the city uh, of this small town uh, who are in the graveyard dead. Yeah, dead people. It's all from the point of view of these people in the graveyard. Yeah, and so in the people, the ghosts in the graveyard are not allowed to influence anyone. Right. So they just have to kind of watch all the people in the town and they can see it. They're obviously omnipotent because they're fucking ghosts. Yeah. So there's all these things happening in this in this town with animals and, and memory and like this woman trying to figure out her life and kind of, it, the, and there's the, also a missing woman which yes. is that there's a whole mystery aspect to it there's that you so don't realize going kind on. of building it's just a it's really kind of well a love story book. too yeah it's a very well written book and you're kind of it, it, like yeah it just really caught me off guard and I way. knew this was going to be I think I said this to you in the halftime show yeah, I was maybe like that's this is going to make you ball it did at the end I was shocked by how I cuz it's also very sweet it's a yeah. very sweet book and like you just really like the relationship it it, it is it is yeah far and away one of my favorite books I've read in a long time and she wrote another book that I highly recommend that's also kind of a meditation about grief called Rabbit Cake. And I oh, think it yeah. came out in like oh, 2012, 2013, 2014, something like that, a long time ago. But they're both incredible. Um, so yeah, I was very yeah, I was very surprised that that was both both of our top pick. That was like far and away like our top shared pick. Yeah. But our next one. Wait, two more top shared two, picks. Two more top shared picks. you tell people what they are? The next one, I think, I, I kind of guessed, it was Sh- Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison. Yeah. Where we both... Love Rachel. Uh, her books are this sort of sweet spot for both of us that are, it's like horror, but horror that's like very, very much rooted in like the problems of being a woman in the mm-hmm. modern world. Yeah. And I love every book she's ever written. And this one is so great. It's just about, uh, it's a lady werewolf book, which is really all you need to know or all <laughs> I needed to know. But it's also about like trying to balance all the different demands of being a woman. And this is, it, 
it's actually kind of similar unlikely animals is this lady and she comes back home and she has like a rough relationship with her mother and she's coming back home because her sister's having a baby and her sister has left her husband and she doesn't know what's going on so she there's all this like you know very like very feminine problems with like um you know just relationships between women and um trying to figure out what she wants out of life and in the middle of all of this it's not a big spoiler she gets bitten by a werewolf yeah no it happens right <laughs> in the beginning right in the beginning so it's and as she's navigating these changes with her within herself about being a werewolf she's also trying to like figure out what she wants out of life and what she wants out of love and what she wants out of her career and trying to balance all this all these pressures of modern femininity and it's so smart and it's so great yeah and no one is writing complicated women like rachel harrison is no. doing and that i love where it's just it's the heroes of her story are just fascinating women dealing with problems that like average women are dealing with but also werewolves which yes. I, I find oh, to be just perfect very relatable and our <laughs> second shared pick um is um was, the paul bears be club by paul tremblay which is funny mallory did text me about those two and i said yes those are on my list she knew mallory knew those were going to be on my yes. list well we you know rachel is, is is a big shared author of ours and the other one is paul we Paul it doesn't matter what happens Paul Trim if Paul Tremblay releases a book it's going to be on our reading glasses best of the year we love his books we adore him uh this book is just it's so it's very unique and unusual but it's so fucking smart yeah and I have never read a book that so perfectly explores the feeling of being in a in a friendship with someone who's a little bit manipulative yeah <laughs> and you don't know you second guess everything that they say and you never know what their intentions are and this is it's about this it's all about this kid who, who's like a a dorky teen and to get more extra credit at school he starts up something called the pallbearers club where he literally volunteers to be a pallbearer at the local funeral home and this young other young woman joins it and he right off the bat he's like he can't tell if she's in high school if she's in community college where does she live she's very mysterious and uh he starts up this project one of his projects at school is all about mercy brown which is a real legend from new england about this, this there was this young woman who died and everyone thought she was a vampire and uh this woman that this young woman that is mysterious that he becomes very close friends with and they both really like she gets him into punk and they're both like very alternative kids uh she becomes very obsessed with helping him with this project so there's like in like learning about vampires and like in breaking into graveyards and stuff and just like paul is i mean paul tremblay is the master of writing a book that the whole time you're like is what's going on really what i think is going yeah, uh -huh, on uh -huh. and even like deep into the book you have no fucking clue and it's just so smart and so great, and I, I and, love it so and much. And not only that, for those who haven't read it, it is all written from his perspective, but then there are notes on the edge of the book written by her, yes. where she's going through and saying where he's not telling the truth or where she thinks he's, like, fudging things a little bit or where things are not. He's Basically, it's her saying, like, this is where you're getting it wrong. Yes. Uh, you got this story wrong, which I think is a really interesting way to read and oh, yeah. read a book. Because then you're the whole time you're not sure whether to trust him or her. Yeah, exactly. To... Uh. Listen, these are three great books. They're three very different books that are very on the top different. of our list. I mean, obviously, two are very genre. Three are actually they're all three pretty genre. But, um, but I, I would say Unlikely Animals is way more like literary fiction with like a touch of yeah, touch of speculative fiction, where the other two are very speculative with a touch of literary. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Like, oh no, you got literary in my speculative fiction. <laughs> you got speculative fiction in my literary. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go down to our individual picks. Bria, your first one is one I've never even heard of. I thought I told you about it. No. Okay. I am this, so excited. Okay. Best short story book of the year from me is Out There by Kate Folk. Um, it's on some lists. 
I oh, saw it. Okay. That's how I found out about it. It was on like some people who released like an early uh, uh, best of the year. I was like, interesting, like a sci-fi short story book. I'm interested. I don't know if I've had a short story collection on the top of my list. So I read this book and I was just delighted. It's sci-fi. It's dark humor. It's cultural commentary. Um, the first story is about a woman who is at a dinner party and she meets this AI man and she doesn't know he's AI. And at the end, someone was like, could you tell that was an AI? And she's like, what? That was an AI man? And she's in a relationship the whole time with this man who's just kind of like dull, but also kind of a piece of shit. And she keeps thinking, like, oh, the whole thing about the AI men is that they, um, you date them, and then they invite you to Big Sur, and then they steal your identity and and disappear into a puff of smoke. Um, <laughs> and I think I've gone out with a few of those guys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the whole time she's dating this real man, she's like, should I just be with this AI man? Is it so bad to have my identity stolen if I, some man pays attention to me as much as a man did at that dinner party? And is it worth it? And so in, well, I won't tell you what it's, uh, but anyway, it's great. There's another story about a woman who wakes up one day and there's a head growing out of the her floor, like just the top of a head and oh it's God. growing taller and taller. Um, and, and it's just fun. It's surreal. I love a surreal short story. Um, uh, it, it just kind of blew me away, and I could not, and I was laughing. I was laughing at this AI man story, and then weirdly it also ends with an AI man story, so it's like this similar, it's like the same world or whatever. And I just felt like it really hit home for me as far as, like, short stories that, like, every one of them was a real banger. Like, every one I was like, that was great. Like, I, it was a cool idea, and that's the problem, I think, with short stories is that usually there's, like, one where I'm like, oh, that was good, and then, like, there's five I won't remember. And, like, mm-hmm. this one... I think all of them were real hot, hot tickets. Wow. Real hot tickets. Nothing but bangers. Um, I loved it. Out there by Kate Folk. If you're looking for short stories, I think this was great. What's your first pick of the year? This is going to be my favorite romance of the year. Oh, love that. And I knew it from the second I started reading it. It's a Caribbean heiress in Paris by Adriana Herrera. It was on my best of the year halftime show. Uh, I got to do an event with her. And now she is just like one of my favorite romance authors ever. She's so cool. And I knew this was going to be my favorite because it's about it's a historical romance about two distillers. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. You've talked about it on the show, oh. of course. <laughs> oh, my God. It, 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 I will not spoil it for anyone who has not read it. God, oh, my God. If you are a romance person, you got to read it. It has one of the hottest scenes I've ever read. Wow. That has to do with flasks. Oh, my. <laughs> but I was so excited because, you know, I'm you know I'm a huge cocktail nerd, and it's about this woman, and uh, she is a rum distiller on the Dominican Republic and her and her best friends travel to Paris for this big exit, you know, the big, one of the big expositions in Paris. And cause she wants to get more customers for her rum and she ends up. And, and the problem is this, she, as soon as she gets there, she has a problem that no one wants to deal with her because she's a woman. And she ends up becoming immediately like running into this scotch distiller who's having problems because he's trying to create an offshoot from his father's company. Cause his father's a piece of shit. And so the two of them realize if they band together, they can kind of help each other. Hmm. And it's so spicy. Oh, hey. So steamy. And, like, they're both trying to, like, get their their booze brands off the ground and deal with, like, booze uh, business while, like, trying to not make out with each other. And it's just, it's so fun. And one of the things I really love about it is it really – uh, puts a lot of emphasis on female friendship because she mm. travels with her best friends, uh, one of which is queer. And it's just so fun to see. I mean, we we talked about it a while ago on the friendship episode that we just both love like 
female friendship books. And it was just so fun and so spicy and so steamy and like so drinks nerdy. Mm-hmm. Like it, when we had our event, she was like, oh, I was so nervous for you to read it because I know you know all this stuff about cocktail history. And I was like, you fucking knocked it out of the park. Oh, that's great. Like she really crushed it. And um, I just loved it so much. So I knew this was going to be, I I read some really fun romance this year, but this was far and away my favorite. Uh, what was your next? Oh yeah, I knew you were going to pick this one so too. This is the start of my historical sci-fi. I have two mm-hmm. on this list, but um. I've talked about it a lot, Rust in the Root by Justina Ireland. I won't get into like all of the details before, but I just felt like this was, it was really great. It was really imaginative in a way that I haven't seen. It all takes place in 1937. So it's this historical sci-fi world. But Justina Ireland created a whole new system of magic for this, which is, I mean, great. So I I guess it's sci-fi, I guess it's fantasy. Maybe it's historical fantasy more than sci-fi. It's a bit of both. Maybe maybe this is fantasy and the other one's more sci-fi. Maybe they're both fantasy. It's hard for me to say. Anyway, it takes place in 1937. Basically, at this time, everyone's like, the future is mechomancy, which is like um, magic that has to do with machines. Hmm. Um, And this girl who's uh, the main character. She's a young black woman from Pennsylvania. She's like, maybe it's not mechomancy. Maybe it's something else. And she ends up working for the government and goes to this area that has had, there's this thing called the blight and it took down all the magic systems. And she and this group of people have to go and try to fix it in this area. But they discover a lot of things along the way. Um, Maybe it's more, maybe I should say general fantasy sci-fi. Just speculative. uh, Speculative, that's great. Speculative, historical speculative fiction. Yeah, I think you're into that. Um, but this was great. And if you're looking for like a cool uh, magic system, I just was like completely blown away. I think I've said this before, but like there's a chapter where Justine Ireland just kind of explains what all the new kinds of magic she's talking about are because there's so many. And it's just, it's really well written. It's really interesting uh, time period. I just loved it. I loved it. I love the worlds that she creates. Excited for people to read this one. Um, what's your next one? Uh, this is one I didn't get to talk about on the show because I, I saved it for the end of the year. Cause like, you know, when you just know something is going to be one of your favorites. Sure. And I read this in one sitting. Yes. It is We Spread by Ian Reed. Oh, Ian Reed who wrote, um, um, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things in faux. He writes like very surreal, uh, one, sometimes it's surreal horror. Sometimes it's surreal sci-fi, but I love a weird fiction book. And I think he is one of the best uh, writers we have today. This one is, this one is another one that you would love, but would make you cry. It is about this old woman and she, her, her partner of many, many years, she's a painter, um, but her partner, they never got married, but her partner was a very famous painter for a number of years. And she kind of felt like she was in his shadow, but he has just passed away. And now she's living in this apartment that all by herself and she's been there for like decades and decades and decades and weird stuff kind of starts to happen because she she thinks she's fine but her mind is starting to go a little bit and eventually she is forced to move out and move into and she finds out which is a big surprise to her that she didn't remember this but apparently her and her partner had already picked the place that she was going to go and had already paid for it so she kind of gets like shuffled off to this this facility and she keeps trying like struggling to remember and she gets there and at first it seems like amazing it's very small there's only three other residents very very tiny everything's super comfortable and nice but then um weird stuff starts to happen and it's it's a big exploration of like what it is to make art and why we make art and memory and you know and like the meaning of life and stuff because really she starts to like to become really friendly with one of the other older men that is there and one of the aides that comes to help her all the time. And she's very, starts to get very nervous of the lady who runs the place because she starts asking kind of weird stuff of them. Huh. 
and it gets it gets more and more surreal and it is um it's written in a very weird way where it's like only a few lines and then a like a page break and then only a few lines and then a page break it's like little thoughts oh interesting and it's it goes by really quick it's really short again i read it in one sitting and it's so it's so beautiful and it's so smart and it's so like very spooky very creepy there's some moments where like you know she comes and finds something and she isn't sure if this thing is there because she put it there and she just can't remember mm. or if someone else did like it really is it shows you how scary that experience is of losing your memory um and if you have someone in your life who is going through that which i am it is very intense to read but it is just uh, i love i love ian reed's books so much and uh this is just another top tier banger from him uh what is your next one Oh, um, I, yeah, this is another one I knew you were going to pick. My next book is my favorite book where librarians are heroes, which I think I read more than one book in that category, <laughs> yeah. honestly. It's Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. Um, it's sort of near future, dystopian, sci-fi. It takes place in a world in which it's on a lot of best of lists, by the way, but I think it deserves to be on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place where the government has cracked down um, on dissidents, but it's kind of a totalitarian government, um, and particularly dissidents of, of Asian origin. And... Um, they, one of the things they do to them is they take away their children. And it is about this kid named Bird, and Bird's mother was a poet who herself got taken away by the government at some point but or, or left. Bird doesn't know where, where his mom is. Um, but there's this group of librarians who are running sort of an un- underground way to communicate with each other and to communicate about where all these missing children have gone. Um, and they help Bird, and Bird goes on this sort of adventure to find his mom. But it's Celeste Ng, so it's so much more than that. It's about family, it's about identity, and it's about art. And this big is, and um, his mother wrote this poem that people now use as like um, a protest poem, and they'll put lines, uh, they'll put our missing hearts, and that's a line from one of her poems, um, up around and like as a way to like protest against what the government has done. Um, so I think it's just like a really interesting modern take on art and identity. And it's listing. It's fucking great. It's fucking really well written. It was, I just loved it. Hell yeah. What's your next one? Another glasser pick. Okay. So I did write Mallory at one point. I said, well, these two are also on mine. So I'm just going to second them when you, yes. when you, when you Which talk about fine. them, so this you is talk a- about them and I'll second. Uh, it's uh, no surprise. Just like home by Sarah Gailey. Sarah Gailey is another favorite author of ours. Whenever they release a book, it's probably going to be on our best of the year list. And uh, just like home, I feel like they specifically wrote for me because it's a haunted house book by Sarah Gailey. Yeah. I was like, what more could I want in life? And it's so fucking good. It is so scary and it is so smart. And it's all, it's about this. There's so many books we have on this list that are like woman comes home and things are bad at home. We really do have a lot of woman. Woman returns home from somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's this woman and she's coming back to her home where she's not not been in a while, her childhood home. Uh, and you find out pretty early that uh, her father is not there because uh, her father is a very famous serial killer. And he is in jail. And you don't really, you know, he's like might be in jail or somewhere. You don't really know what's going on with him. Um, but her mom is there. And the reason why she's coming home is because her mother is, di- is dying. And her and her mom have a very complicated, strained relationship. And as soon as she gets home and starts to, like, work work with, like, taking care of her mom, she starts noticing really fucking scary shit that's happening in the house. Um, and it's this great meditation on what it means to love someone who is a monster and what monsters are. And uh, it's just, God, it's it's such a, I, I keep recommending it to people, especially people, it doesn't matter how many... And, of the all the readers in the world i have read many a haunted house book and it is very hard and i love the most tropey formulaic 
haunted house books. Give me them all. But this book is such a unique take on the haunted house book. It's very hard to surprise me and make me not know what's going on. But this one did. It is so, so brilliant and so different and so wonderful that, ugh. I just fucking loved it so much. And I, I will second that and also say, like, for fans of true crime, I think it has a really oh, great yeah. true crime element to, like, what happens to those people whose lives are ruined by someone in their life because that person was a famous serial killer yeah. or some other crime? And I thought that was such a timely, interesting take on horror. Speaking of timely, my next one is Best Timely Horror. Oh, is, yeah. And I then, have this on my, uh, I'm uh, waiting to get this book. It's, it's a great novella. Um, it's And Then I Woke Up by Malcolm Devlin. Um, I cannot stop thinking about this book. I love this. Again, it has that sticky quality that mm -hmm. you talked about. Basically, what you know at the beginning is there's a plague. And this plague, and there are monsters. Or maybe there aren't monsters. You don't know. Because all you know is that the plague, people who have it, they don't know what reality quite is because they're very uh, open and they believe any sort of information that's mm -hmm. given to them. So they're very, like, um, uh, what is the word? They're, impressionable? Yeah, they're very impressionable. They're very, they think that whatever, they, they, they kind of are quick to believe things. And it, it takes place around this person who's in a re rehabilitation center who is sort of dealing with this plague. And I just think, look, y'all, there's a lot of different disinformation happening out there, and mm -hmm. a lot of people are believing it. And there's, and, it, and you can go down these rabbit holes of, reading disinformation and believing things that aren't true because there's more people to back it up. And I think at a time like that, I think that this is a great horror book that does what horror does so well, which is take a topic that is tough to discuss. It's tough to talk about disinformation and, and use horror as a metaphor uh, for that. So that's what I think this author does really well. Um, so if you are interested in, this, in disinformation topics, I just found this book to be really fascinating and a great way to talk about it and deal with it. And how to deal with people who... Yeah, may believe like some crazy ass shit they saw on YouTube that isn't mm -hmm. real. And like what in like, should we completely dismiss these people or should we try to educate them? Like what are what are our options here? Yeah. So I feel like this author was kind of diving into that. And that really I thought was very timely. Cool. Uh what is your last one before we take a no, you got two more before we take a break. Uh, mine is an, a pick that was also a glasser pick. It's yeah. The Cartographers and by I'm Penn Shepard. Oh, what a great book. Oh, what a fucking great book this was. It's so good. Uh, this was my first Pink Shepherd. I know that she wrote Book of M. Loved Book, as well. Book of M, yes. Uh, and this one, I, I definitely want to read more from her. It's about um, this woman, and she uh, is a cartographer. She works, but she, I mean, she she doesn't work. At, she used to work at a museum, and you found, find out that she used to have, a, like, a dream job and, like, a dream fiancé, and her life was amazing. And then this big fight with her father, who is a very who was a very famous cartographer, kind of blew it all up for her, and now she works, like, recreate making like map recreations mm -hmm. to sell his prints and she hates her job and she fi finds out that um part of the reason why uh like her, her father is gone and her father like she finds out there's a reason behind her and her dad's big fight yeah and it has to do with this map mystery in this town that her her dad and his other cartographer friends when they were in college stayed there and this town that may or may not exist and it is like it's like there's like map magic yeah y'all y'all didn't know you needed a fun based fun map based romp but here it is oh my god and it's so it's so compelling and you're really rooting for her and trying to like build her life back up because she loves maps so much and misses her job and she's trying to unravel like the mystery of like what happened with her because she what ends up happening is she finds 
finds this one weird copy of this map of a map right. and she finds out that it's very rare and and the more she looks into the history of this map she finds out that like all the copies have been destroyed and that maybe someone might be following her and trying to find like trying to purposely destroy these copies and like what does this map show what can this map access like you get so drawn into the mystery mm. of it and like the history of her dad and her parents and like this group of cartographers it's like so, it got me out of a really intense book slump and I yeah just, I could see that it's a very oh, like so compelling good. read Oh, it's she's just fantastic in the like, map and linguistic magic. Maybe that's just something I like. Maybe it is. I think maybe we are finding out we're more, a little more historical. More, yeah, into history more than we realize. More than we realize, which is uh-huh. funny because I am a professional historian mm. and I <laughs> don't know why it's such a surprise to me. But yeah, this one, I'm glad you liked it too. You loved it. Loved it. It was such a good book, and I, she's such a great writer and. Um, I feel like this one was more, even more accessible than Book of M. I loved Book of M because it, it centers around memory and dystopia. Like it's like combines a lot of things that I love. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this one felt much more like if someone tomorrow was like, oh, the people who made uh, National Treasure are making this into a movie. I'd be like, check oh, that. this would make a fucking great movie. Such a great movie. Yeah. Uh, what is your, your last pick before the break? My last one is my best sci-fi book that shook me to the, my core which was The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Oh, yeah. Um, if I had to pick a book of the year, this might be it. Wow. Um, because it's about a world in which everyone gets this box sent to their house, and the box contains a string, and the string tells you how long you're going to live. And Intense. you get it sent to you at, when you turn 18. And it's what happens in that world. I think it, there's multiple POVs. Those who like, like Mike Chen or somebody, This you should definitely be picking this up. I think it's incredible because it's like so true the way we would all react. And I think actually after going through the pandemic and seeing the way we all kind of reacted to that, this feels like a book that's kind of like taking that to the next step. So it's like some politicians start using it for their careers because they're like, I have a long string. I should be a politician over this guy who's got a short string. Or um, uh, some companies won't hire people with short strings. Some romantic people won't start romances with people who are short strings. Um, It affects everything from health insurance to dating to whether or not people stay in relationships with certain people because they know like, oh, I'm going to have a kid with you and then five years you're not going to be here anymore. And it also begs the question of like, would you open your box? Would you open your box to see how long you would live? And I think it's a really interesting take on that question, like this very like existential life question, but also how we treat people with chronic illnesses. Because if you know someone has a chronic illness, are you treating them differently than someone who isn't? And especially at a time where I think we're going to have a lot of, we already have chronic illnesses, obviously people with chronic illnesses, but even more so now that we have long COVID. Mm-hmm. I think this was book a book that just really crystallized that for me in an interesting way and it just made me have so much dread I couldn't stop thinking about these fucking strings these (laughs) strings were like hanging over my head the string of Damocles the string (laughs) was I I was like if I got it would I open the box I don't think I'd open the box which is I don't think I would either I don't like to know stuff but then maybe I would I don't know I think what would happen is I wouldn't want to open the box and then one night I would get like drunk and then Open the box. Open the box and then regret it. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's just a pretty horrifying book, but I loved it. It was so great. What was your last pick before the break? My last pick is another one that I knew was going to be one of my favorites. And you know, I knew that I loved this book because, so sometimes when we get ARCs, they come as PDFs. Yes. And that is my least favorite thing because yeah. I hate reading them on my Kobo because it's a pain in the ass. Oh, you can convert them. I know but... I can convert them. Okay. But I, oh, I, I always fucking forget to and by the time I got into this book I was like sure, all right sure, I'm sure. in it I'm in it but I read it anyway I think I read it in one day oh wow and I just loved it so much it's The Wild Hunt by Emma Suckle and it is another historical yeah 
man, this is the year of the historical for us, but it's, uh, it takes place in the years after World War II, and it's about this tiny island in Scotland, the hottest place in the literary world this year. <laughs> um, and it, it's it, on this island, every single year on October 1st, a giant group of crows shows up, and they do not leave until midnight on Halloween. And for the past few years, the crows have been getting more intense and aggressive. When, like the year, I think the year before the events of the book, like they kill a sheep or something. They start to like attack people. And the main character is this woman who is <laughs> come back home. <laughs> and she, she tried to make it work in the city for a long time and it wasn't. And her father has just died. So she's moved back, back home to like take care of the farm and kind of take care of things. And she's trying to like, she ends up kind of get, getting involved in this mystery of like why the crows are getting more violent and this boy goes missing and there's all it's like it's a combination of a lot of cool things because it's like small town stuff mm -hmm. so you know she starts reconnecting with like people that she knew when she was a kid and some of them are still as wonderful and some of them are not so wonderful as they've grown up you know these kind of there's it's also like weird supernatural things yeah. with these crows and like mythology and it's just it's also very cool i talked about it during our cozy books autumnal books because it's like bonfires and cider yeah. and sweaters big sweater book <laughs> uh and i just loved it so much and i w i couldn't put it down even though i was like working off this shitty ass pdf on my kobo <laughs> and i just loved it so much and i loved it so much i got it as an arc and then i bought a hard copy of it because i really enjoyed it and uh yeah i loved it um so you can send your thoughts on your best books of the year to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we announce the rest of our picks we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by my best friend, Soylent. What, what is Soylent? It is the original food tech company. It makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats. My cupboard is filled with the Soylent Complete Meal in vanilla, which is my favorite flavor. Basically, it's just a convenient, ready-to-drink shake. It does come in a powder format, but I find it more convenient to just have the shake because you don't have to do anything. You just open it mm -hmm. up and drink it. I like it because it has 20 grams of plant-based protein, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats, and 400 calories of slow-burning carbs. One delicious serving. It tastes like a vanilla milkshake. I love it. But Bria, there's bunch of other things that Soylent makes that are also great. Yeah, I mean, I love Soylent Square. Look, there's a Soylent for everybody. It's these small, little, um, 100-calorie, um, complete nutrition bar. It's just, it's tiny. You can eat it. If you're in a hurry and you're just like, I just need to grab something really fast because my stomach's growling just a little mm -hmm. bit and I need to make sure before I walk into this meeting that I have some energy or before I go do this podcast, I have some energy or whatever. I just want a little snack in the morning before I do a workout. These are perfect because you can eat them. They're nutritious. And it also feels like it's a little treat they're yeah sweet they're not they don't taste like uh, chalk. chalk they taste good they taste like a little tiny fun treat and so, i mean some like some of those like bars they're big and they're like really tough to get through it feels like you're a dog eating a, a toy like they're really they're really they're tough to bite into and they feel really heavy these are so small and they're so easy to eat yeah, they are great. Look, we love Soylent. Y'all know Mallory loves Soylent. It's quick. It's easy. It is. There's no cleanup. There's no cooking. It makes your life really easy because you can just grab it and go. You don't have to worry about what you're going to be eating. Yes. Uh, and 
It's got complete balanced nutrition made from U.S. grown sustainable source ingredients, which means it's good for you and good for the planet. It's perfect for breakfast, lunch, anytime you need a nutritious meal that's actually delicious. So all you have to do right now, go to Soylent.com slash glasses and use code glasses to get 20% off your first order. So that's Soylent.com slash glasses and code glasses for 20% off your first order. Soylent.com slash glasses. 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 Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. That, that is true. It's important in this context because we host a medical history podcast called Sawbones. Oh, I thought we were going to. We shouldn't work on that. Sawbones. Sawbones isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, are vaccines as safe and reliable as they want us to believe? Yes. Do I have to get a flu shot? Yes. Uh, okay. Is science a miracle? No. We have a lot of great history for you and a lot of laughs. And sometimes the history is so bad that there's no laughs. But you'll learn something. You'll feel something. And it's always Sawbones. That's right. Every week on MaximumFun.org. Okay, we are back. Bria, what is your next pick? This is my best literary fiction of the year slash new Swiss Army recommendation, uh, which is Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I feel like y'all know this was a great book. It was Mm -hmm. Amazon's book of the year. Really? Mm -hmm. They're not wrong. Amazon knows. They've they've read books. (laughs) Uh, um, Look, you can love this book if you know nothing about gaming, but it is about gaming. Um, It's about two friends who create a video game and become very successful. And then the aftermath, which you're like, I don't know if I want to read that book. You do. You want to read it. It's great. It's a fantastic book. Um, It takes place over the course of 30 years in the cold Northeast. Um, And it's about race. It's about identity, disability, and how that affects one of the main friends' lives. And then the other friend is a a young woman, and it's all about her relationship to gaming and this sort of mentor slash boyfriend she ends up with and what it's like to date someone like in your industry and be a woman in an industry that's very male-heavy. It's all sorts of stuff. It's very sweet at times. It's heartfelt. There are some tricks warnings you should read ahead of time because there is a um I would say an unexpected violent uh death that you're not expecting in really? the book yeah and it is uh uh the book is just great the way it's done is really great it just blew me away and I didn't expect to love a book this much about gaming I mean I like <laughs> gaming but I just like I, I was like what is gonna be the story and it was just it's really well done um what is your next one? Oh, I love this book, too. This was yeah. a great book. You recommended this book to me, and I loved it. I knew it. this was going to be on my list as soon as I read it, and I'm glad that I kept— This is another one. Even though it came out in February, I've still been thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, it's The Book of the Most Precious Substance by Sarah Gran, and there's so much in this book. It's another, like— It's a little horror. It's a little mystery. It's a little literary. It's a little woman figuring out her life, like— it is, uh, it's about this woman and she, um, is a rare book dealer. Uh, she used to be a writer, uh, but her husband many years ago, um, got sick and has, uh, he's, he's not in a coma, but he is, um, I don't want to say, yeah, he's in a, like, he's not in a coma, but he's sort of like not there. Yeah. Like he's not there either. There's like a specific term for it, but he's like, just not there mentally. And she is. So in order to fund, like to pay for his, um, 
home carried and to take care of all of his hospital bills, she became a rare book dealer. Right. And so she's kind of tired and exhausted and harried. And uh, they, she, they moved out of New York City and moved upstate. And one day while she's on a buying trip for, for rare books, she comes across another a friend of hers who's also in the industry. And he tells her about there's this guy, he finds there's this client who's looking for this really particularly rare, rare book called The Book of the Most Precious Substance. And apparently in the book, there are these five different rituals. And if you do them all, you are granted a wish, like your heart's biggest desire. And she ends up pairing up with this other friend and they try to find this book and they go to all these different places and all these strange people. And they, they also, as they're like catching up and finding pieces, like finding out like snippets of the book and uh, finding out who might have it, they're starting to figure out what the rituals are and they start doing them. Right. And weird stuff starts to happen. And it's so, I, I've definitely thought about this book a ton. It's so fucking good. And it's also, you love her. She's she's also another, uh, there's a few protagonists in our list this year that are just like really complicated. Yeah. Like I really, I thought about her a lot and because she's not a super likable person, but you really root for her and you see why she's doing a lot of the things that she's doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, she has this husband at home, but she starts, sexy stuff starts happening on mm-hmm. the road. And look, if you're looking for that precious substance, you, you gotta do these <laughs> sexy things. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing is it's sex magic, folks. Yeah, it's sex magic. I really forgot to tell yeah, you Yeah, yeah, that. yes, yes. It's <laughs> sex, sex spells. Um, and all the different spells involve a different bodily fluid. So it's, yeah, it's like a little, little erotica, a little horror. Um, I think I, I started reading it cause Paul, Paul Tremblay said it was kind of Clive Barkery. And I would actually mm, yeah. say that cause it's got a little bit of that kind of weird body horror magic. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's also very woman on a journey. We look woman on a journey. Historical women on a journey was our, 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 our absolute the- uh, theme for this year. And speaking of, what is your next pick? This is my other speculative sci-fi. I'm going to go speculative sci-fi because I, I mean, spe- I'm sorry, historic speculative historical fiction. I'm going to say speculative instead of sci-fi because I do think it is magic-y. Um, and it's Siren Queen by Niveau. Um, I, I, this is why I definitely have to add a historicals. Speculative yeah. fiction to my to my wheelhouse. It's about a young Chinese American girl who wants to be an actress in that sort of pre-code Hollywood era. And but the monsters in Hollywood are not just like monsters on screen; they're actual monsters in real life. Um, this is like a sci-fi, magic-y, fantasy book. Um, and basically, this woman is going to do whatever it takes uh, just to become successful in Hollywood. And that means maybe making some bargains, maybe uh, doing some things that are not on the up and up, and also de- diving into this magic world. And it's written in such a way that it's very, um, I don't know, it's, it's almost kind of like dreamy. And uh, uh, the style of writing is really inter- was really interesting. And everything wasn't like so specific. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's a little magical, but you don't totally know what all is going on. I just thought it was really well written and it was sort of about race and being a Chinese American woman at this time and also being a woman, just being a woman at this time, but being in this industry is tough. And in a little bit of, um, it's a, it feel, felt almost like a fable in some ways. Huh. Um, it was great. And I just thought it was a really interesting, well-written book. And I know there's a lot of people who love old Hollywood, but if you love speculative fiction and old Hollywood, this one's definitely for you. Oh. All right, what's your next one? Uh, so my favorite YA. It was tough, very, oh, very tough, tough to sure. pick. But I ended up choosing I Kiss Shara Wheeler by Casey McQuiston. Um, I just loved it. We talked about this book recently. We, actually, I think we talked about this book a few times. Uh, it's just super fun because it's like, it's YA and it's coming of age, but it's also a big mystery because it's about this this girl and she's about to graduate high school and she's like 
very alternative and very queer and live and goes to this Christian high school in the South and like, cannot wait to get the fuck out. And mm-hmm. like at, at the night of prom, uh, her sort of arch rival, cause the main character is super smart and is like gunning for valedictorian. Uh, but her sort of, um, scholastic rival uh-huh. the past four years this is a girl named shara wheeler and she's like the perfect blonde queen of the school head cheerleader all that stuff and she finds her in an elevator and shara wheeler kisses her and then leaves and then shara wheeler disappears. peers mm-hmm. and so she ends up linking up with this other guy who's kind of like a burnout stoner dude and shara wheeler's boyfriend because they're all they all get together and they're like first off where's shara and also because she, she kissed the shara wheeler also kissed the burnout stoner dude and they end up kind of coming clean to her boyfriend or like, hey, she kissed the both of us and we got to find her. What? And like Shara Wheeler keeps leaving them these sort of clues and these notes everywhere that they have to figure out. And they, the more they get angry at her because she won't just like tell them where she is, the more they want to solve this mystery. You know what? You, you've named like three books now that are like mystery hunting, like, right. like active mystery books where you like have to go and solve puzzles and clues to I get to the right. thing. I think you're because that, like, because the cartographers, Book of Most Precious Substance, and this book all have that oh, aspect right. of them. All right. So you have historical sci-fi. Yeah. I have puzzle mystery. I think that's a real thing. I just, I loved it. This is my very first Casey McQuiston, and I was in for it. And um, I, I love this book. It was it just so much a, fun. I loved this book too. And it, but it uh, wasn't like her other books. So I think it's really interesting to. It's very different. To, it's, it'll be interesting for people who haven't read her other books mm-hmm. to try start with this one because it. Is that more of like adventure aspect? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is romance. There's multiple romance sure. things going on in this book, but that's not the main thrust of the story. It's all about solving what is going on with Shara Wheeler. So I, I loved it. Uh, what is your next pick? My next pick is the only nonfiction on my list, which is uh, the nonfiction that changed my life, which is Stolen Focus, uh, Why You Can't Pay Attention by Johan Hari. I keep talking about this book because yeah. I think it really did change the way I think. Glasser started reading uh, this. I Okay, all right. When you first started reading it, I'm just going to tell you. It may be a little judgmental. You're going to read it and be like, why is this person being so judgmental? And I felt that way where I was like, let's not judge your neat nephew or somebody. I can't remember remember uh, who the judgment is about. But um, And there are parts I don't necessarily agree with 100% the way that he's talking about the the comparisons. But I there was so much research put into this book. And especially right now when we're all on social media. And not just that, but it's email. It's our phones. It's our it's the alerts from apps. Like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that breaks your attention. Um, it's it, it is fucking with our brains. It's fucking with our anxiety levels. It's fucking with our mental health. And the problem is it behooves these giant companies to do that. It yeah. behooves those industries to give you anxiety because then you're going to get online and buy more shit. If it mm-hmm. behooves them to not let you sleep because then you're going to be more likely to make poor decisions and buy like 50 things off of Amazon tomorrow. Oh like, yeah. The, it, it, and why, how capitalism and plays into the way that we um, uh, use our phones and our technology. That is really interesting to me. And um, it's very scary. And I I think at a time where a lot of people are leaving Twitter, a lot of people are leaving some social media things. It's, 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 I've been really trying to decide if I'm going to join some other social media. And so far, because of this book, I have not. I will say, I was thinking about you in this book because, so right now I am off of everything. I deactivated my Facebook. I have deleted Twitter and Instagram from my phone because I'm trying to finish this fucking book. And the other day I, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, I don't think I've been, I've, I've seen an ad in a long time. This is very, it's just weird to not be constantly sold things. And like, as much as I miss uh, interacting with my friends online and like seeing 
uh, what, you know, what everyone's doing. It is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think this book is just, it, I do think the research is really solid. It feels like there's so many people that he talked to and like, didn't just read their papers and write about them, like talk to. And I, that I think was really, really good. Anyway, I think it's a very great book for the year and to, for me to think about like my addictions and how it's probably affecting my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your next one? My next one is both my best middle grade of the year and my most timely book. Mm. Uh, it's Attack of the Black Rectangles by A.S. King, who is one of my favorite, favorite authors. I know, I didn't quite get to this one. It was on my list. It's so, I, I literally own every single book she's ever written. I love her so much. And this book really, it's just, it's so, so fucking timely. I don't know how she managed to do to get this book out exactly when she needed to, but it's about this boy and he he's in middle school and um, he lives with his mom and his grandfather and his dad doesn't live with them. His parents are divorced and his dad is very not great. And his dad kind of, they, they have dinner. His dad comes over for dinner once a week, but it's always really awkward and his dad is just a bad person. But every single one of A.S. King's books has like a tiny speculative element that you don't know if it really is speculative or not. And the element in this book is that this kid's father sometimes shows up in the middle of the night and takes this kid on for a ride on a spaceship oh, yeah. through the galaxy. Love that. And you don't know if it's, they're actually going on for a ride in his car or if it's for a ride in the spaceship. Um, but what's happening, the really the main thing about the book uh, is that this boy and his friends at school, they start reading this book um, about the, ho- it's a, a no- novel about the Holocaust called The Devil's Arithmetic by Jane Yolen, which is a real book. And um, they start to find out that the book that they are reading is censored. There are certain words mm. and sentences that are individually sharpied out in each copy. Uh, their their particular teacher, I think she's a sixth grade teacher. Um, and she is kind of notorious in the town because the town, their town has all kinds of weird rules. Like no one's allowed to eat candy. Uh, there are like local ordinances, like no one's allowed to stay out too late. All these like things that are not terrible, but yeah, just sort of on the brink of starting to be bad. And so these kids start a campaign, like we're waging a war against this teacher because they want to, they want to get uncensored copies of these books. And it is so smart and this the reason why i love as king and i love her middle grade in her ya is because so many people talk down to kids mm. and there's so many stories where like the moral of the story is that the adults are right where the adults were right the whole time yeah and in and, and as king books sometimes the adults are fucking terrible mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing like there's no redemption the kids were right like the, the adult is bad and the adults have made a, a bad decision and i really i love how much she respects kids and the way that she writes about that. And this book is rife with that. And it's so, so snappy and smart and really easy. I mean, it's very easy to read. Uh, you open it up and you're like, wow, that's some big print. Like it, you, could, <laughs> you could definitely read this in one sitting. Uh, I just adored it. And I, I was so happy it came out this year. And I hope more people read it. Uh, what is your next pick? My next one is my best space book of the year. Oh, which happens to be a horror book. anticipated. Also a horror book. It is Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Um, nice. Basically, listen, here's the thing. If you're in space and you <laughs> don't get a go there. from a lost, lost ship, do not go to that lost no, ship. Don't do rule it. Rule number it's one. It's rule number one, but I may have already made that joke. Um, but um, these people do go and they find a lost luxury ship. Think like the Titanic, like something very luxurious. It disappeared 20 years ago. Scary shit ensues. They go on it. Things are horrible. Nothing, um, nothing good is going to happen. Nothing good is going to happen, but it all takes place in space. 
on these scary ships and it affects the way people are seeing the world and it gets into your head and it's great. I just loved it. It was, it's such a scary book. And, um, one of the, one of the best horror books I read this year and definitely one of the best space books I read this year. I loved it so much. What's your next one? Uh, this one's my favorite literary fiction. And Mm. this was, uh, there was one other book that- You told me to read this and I didn't get it in time. Oh, it's fine. It's, but you should read it because you will fucking love it. Um, uh, this was a hotly contested category for me, but it's Which Side Are You On by Ryan Lee Wong. And uh, I talked about this book on the show and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. God, it's so fucking good. It is about this young man um, who he's go, goes to college on the East Coast and he's coming home for, uh, wow, God, this is such a theme this year. His, <laughs> his grandmother on his mother's side is dying. He has to come home to L.A. Um, and his... Um, his father is Chinese American. His mother is uh, Korean. And um, he, because he's all like charged up. There's, uh, he's really joined the activist scene in New York in the Black Lives Matter movement. And he's like, he comes back home and he's all charged up to like tell his parents about all the bad things in the world and all his new, all his new vocabulary and all the things that he's learned and how he really knows best and all, how all this stuff is terrible. And his parents are both activists. Uh, his father, uh, I think is a lawyer or... Uh, like he worked with unions and his mom helped found the Korean black coalition. And she was really around for the, um, the Rodney King riots. And she's like, did years and years and years of work with the Korean community in Los Angeles. It all takes place in Koreatown in LA. And um, so he's like all charged up and can't wait to tell all the, his mom, all the ways that all the things she's doing is wrong and bad. And she just like blows up every fucking thing that he tries to tell her. And, like the story takes place over just a few days over him hanging out with his Korean friends in, in Koreatown and like going to clubs and stuff and like going out and hanging out with his mom um, and like visiting his dying grandmother. And just like the thing, it's a very much a character book as all the things that he starts to learn about the world and himself and his activism and the, how to be an activist by listening to his mom who like, you know, she, she takes him to a Korean spa and she takes him, like she takes him to all these fun places and he's like, oh, well, we can't do this because it's, it's bad in this way. And she's like, yeah, but it's fucking cool <laughs> it's, or it's fun. Like who cares? You know, like he, um, this one thing that I can't stop thinking about where like um, he, she wants to take him to a hot yoga class. And he's like, oh, but it's, you know, yoga is bad because it, they have taken it from, uh, from the Indian people and it's, you know, it's just rich white people, uh, you know, making tons of money. And his mom's like, you're not wrong, but it also feels great. And they go yeah. for a yoga class and he's like, oh, wow, this, this is really nice. So it's just, it's so, it, it's such a, it's another, it's such a timely book. And especially after the past few, few years of a lot of contention and um, conflict between like, especially in group, within groups of people, it's really interesting to read a book like that. And like, I wish his mom exists and I could hang out with her and I could talk to her. <laughs> it's, it's such a genius book. And it's so, it's so lovely. And uh, I wish more people would read it. And I really loved it. Um, what's your next pick? It's my last, last pick? pick. Last pick. Oh, wow. Yeah. This you was hard this. to choose. It's hard. But um, this is my top best epic book of the year, which is To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara. I started the year with this book, and I still am thinking about this book, so I know this book mm-hmm. is one that should be on my list. It's three alternate time periods. Again, it is a little bit of historical speculative fiction. Um, I think people are calling it literary fiction, but there is a speculative uh, part to this book. Um, it's 1893, 1993, and 2093. And in 1893, it's a world in which um, it's okay to marry, be to be homosexual. That's fine. You can marry people, uh, men can marry men, women can marry women, but, um, 
uh, it's not necessarily okay to marry outside of your class. And Ooh. so it, it is um, about a man dealing with that. The 1993 takes place during the AIDS epidemic. It's also about two men in a relationship, and they have a lot of secrets. And then in 2093, uh, it gets, there's, like, plagues and a totalitarian government, and um, there's a young woman who loses her grandfather. She realizes is kind of involved in some of this government, in, in some things, and um, she has to live in this world that she doesn't really fit in and for various reasons. Um, and it's about family, it's about love, it's about race, it's about sexuality. Um, it's just like an epic book that I actually listened to, and I think each section was read by a different person. Oh, and cool. I just thought it was such a beautiful book, and I just kept thinking about it. Um, and surprisingly, I haven't ever read um, uh, A Little Life, and while you're talking, I put it on hold at the library because I really need to read that. Because that was another huge book, buzzy book. Yeah, that everyone loved uh, of hers. But yeah, loved this book. It had to be in my top of the year. But it was hard to choose this last one. I almost went with a more recent one that I read. I said, no, you read this in January, but it's okay. Like, you can still talk about a January book. <laughs> 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 what about you? What's your last one? Uh, this is the only one I read twice. Uh, I talked about this on the show oh, recently. Oh, like last week. Yeah, because I had got it from the library. This was, uh, I don't, let me know if anyone else does this. This is like one of my favorite things about Libby is I had a very long drive out to Camarillo because I did a library event there. Um, and I was going out to visit our, our friend Sarah Gailey. Um, and I was like, I looked at Libby and I pressed, I love the available now button because oh, I was yeah, just like, great. what audiobook can I get right now? And this book was available and it was only like five hours long. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a three hour drive each way. Perfect. Uh, it's Did You Hear Mammy Died by Seamus O'Reilly. And so I listened to it on audio. I loved it so much that I got home, ordered the print version, and then couldn't stop thinking about it. And then re-got it from the library and made Jeremy listen to it with me on our next big drive. You would not believe me when I tell you that a book about grief could be so fucking funny, but this book is incredible. It is a memoir. It is about this Seamus O'Reilly and him growing up in Northern Ireland in the nineties when there was a lot of bombings and violence going on, but it's really about how um, when he was five years old, his mother died, leaving him and his 10 siblings a various, uh, a wide spectrum of ages. I think the old, at the time, the oldest is 17 and the youngest is like two, um, leaving him and his 10, 10 siblings to be taken care of by their dad, um, who has to get a massive like bus to drive them all around. And it's just about them growing, their times growing up together and like trying to process grief as a five-year-old boy and like the wacky, hilarious adventures of his father trying to cart 11 small children around um it is so it's just so funny and so moving and just a beautiful 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 book that made me laugh out loud every 20 minutes or so <laughs> like could not stop laughing so funny he's such a wonderful writer and uh, I was blown out of the water by this book this was a late edition I totally was not seeing this coming um, but I, I loved it. So this is my, my only nonfiction pick of, of the list. Oh, okay. um, so Bria, we have some special categories. We do. Um, uh, this is, this is a, the new category for this year. Uh, what is a book that you felt should have gotten more buzz? I'm going high by Kirsten White. I loved this. I talked about it on the show. Just a f- fucking cool premise. And it was a cool book. I didn't get to this one, yeah, but I heard um, it was good. Maybe it got buzz. I don't know if it got buzz. Maybe not as much. Well, it's, it's. You, you feel it should have gotten more. I should have gotten more because it's about a woman who gets invited to play like an epic game of hide and seek in an amusement park and then it's like supernatural crazy shit starts happening. And it just is like really fun. The location is cool. The premise is great. I just really enjoyed it. I feel like it just, it like, 
any buzz it got, I feel like died out too quickly. I, I just yeah. thought it was a really cool book. Um, and it could have definitely been on my top 10 of the year. No prob. Uh, what about you? Um, mine was Jackal by Aaron Adams. And I did not see. I feel like it got buzz. I felt like I did not see anybody talking oh, okay. about this book. Okay. Um, but again, I feel the same way. If it got buzzed, it should have gotten more. Okay. <laughs> I really love this book. It's a horror book. Uh, I really, really loved it. Uh, it's about, oh my God, Priya, you're going to, it's about a woman who comes yeah. home. <laughs> Every book this year is about a woman who comes home. I don't. I did not realize that until right now, but it's so true. It's about this woman <laughs> who comes home. Uh, she is a super, she is like a really, really, she lives in New York City. She has a really, really good job. She makes a ton of money, but her engagement has just been broken. And she comes back for her best friend's wedding back to this tiny town in Pennsylvania. And so she's kind of feeling like, oh, this kind of, even though I make a ton of money, like, She's like, she knows that the people in this small town, that's not what they're going to notice. They're going to notice that she's single in her, in, in her thirties. And she um, is reluctant to come home one because uh, something really traumatic happened to her there when she was uh, a teenager. I won't tell you what it is, um, but there's this thing in this town where every year or so a young black girl disappears during the summer oh, and wow. no one has really, because this country doesn't care uh, about stuff like that. She is really the one who starts putting together like this happens re with regularity and it's always a young black girl. It's always around this time um, and a disappearance happens while she's there. I won't tell you who get who gets taken. But so she starts figuring start trying to figure out this this um, what's going on, where these girls are going, what's happening, why and she deal, you know, dealing with her her mom and like and her best friend and all these other like her best friend is white but is married married a black guy and so her best friend means well but sometimes says things that are not so great mm. and um so she just it's, it's it's a really interesting uh exploration of like race in small town america and the, the things that she's had to change about herself and the things that she would wish would change about other people and the way that they interact um but also just set against this like very scary supernatural mystery that may or may not be some kind of scary supernatural being it's just i wish more people would talk about it it was yeah. so good you know and i think the reason why it didn't get more buzz is that if you look at the cover it does not say horror at all uh, i would i had no idea like i knew this book was horror because i saw the description and then i got my pre-order and i was like this doesn't look like a horror book so i can totally see why if they had made the cover a little scarier it, it does look a little bit like literary fiction yeah i would mm -hmm. have, or maybe even sci-fi does not look like a horror book but mm -hmm. it is really really good um priya what is your favorite book that you read this year that was not released this year Mine was a graphic novel. It was God Country by Donnie Cates. Um, I read it at the beginning, beginning of the year. I'm still thinking about it. It's about a family living in Texas, and the dad has Alzheimer's, and then some crazy comic book sci-fi shit starts happening, and the dad is given this special sword, which not only makes him able to fight, but also not have Alzheimer's anymore. Uh, and it's... And it's like his son dealing with it and it's the dad dealing with it. And also the sword talks. I just loved it. I thought it was so great. I was really moved by it. Um, but also it's like super fun, like comic book action. I just loved this graphic novel. And it was just one I, I if I had read it the year it come, came out, which I think came out in 2021. I, it would have been definitely in my top of the year. Uh, uh, what about you? What's your best book, not, best book you read not released in 2022? I'm calling this category the book that would have been on last year's list if I had gotten my shit together uh, yes. and read it in time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have not stopped thinking about this book. And if you went to our live event at StoryFest, you knew what it is. And if you listen to that episode, which is available for our Maximum Fun listeners, you know it is This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. Oh, my God. I love this book. It is 
also about there's a lot of books on this list about grief uh but it's about this uh, man and from go the beginning of the book you know that this guy's wife has died um and he's starting to he's reflecting on the like the events leading up to it uh and what happened was him and his wife had bought this condo um and got this it's basically like his version of an alexa mm. it's like this little uh little machine that talks to you and tells you things and like you can tell it to buy stuff from this big company that is basically his version of Amazon and they get it and they're settling into this new condo and it starts doing weird stuff. Starts turning on in the middle of the night, starts saying scary stuff to them, starts ordering scary stuff and delivering it to their house. Like a big bag of lie, like creepy shit. Oh, that's cool. And, um, it go it goes from there and it gets kind of cosmic horror-y and it is so fucking scary and it is so good and sad if you like it i didn't know this when i started reading it and i have some i saw some people who were surprised by this so if uh it does have a very cosmic horror-y mm. second half of the book so if you like that kind of stuff this is for you if i had read it last year it would have definitely been on my list i just adored it and i recommended it a ton um, all right, last category. Mm-hmm. Our, this, is, this is a category we've done for a few years. Book you'd love to see adapted. Okay. This was very easy. I didn't read this one. Book Lovers by Emily Henry. I mean, look, this would have been on my top 10, but then I was like, well, actually, I'd like to see it adapted. Um, it's it, The glasses are with me on this. Um, we got to see it. We got to see this ad- adaptation. It's a great fucking book. It's about a book agent who realizes that, you know, in every romance novel, there's, or, or romance, or fucking holiday movie, there's always like a woman at home, back in New York City, who's, like, riding a Peloton, telling her husband or boyfriend or whatever when he goes to this small town, like, that he needs to come back to the big city. And and then he ends up falling in love with, like, you know, this small town baker. And she realizes that she is this big city woman she's at the, the very bad, beginning. She's the bad lady? She's the woman riding the Peloton, telling her boyfriend to come back home because that literally was what happens to her, where she's, like, because he falls in love with a woman in some small town or something, and he never comes back to New York. And she's like, what? But then... Oh she ends up having to go to a small town <laughs> for some wow. various reasons and runs into a person she knows from the big city and it becomes a little romance story for her. It's kind of meta, but it also is just like really smartly written and it's great wow. and it's a sexy little romance. It's great. I loved it. It was really charming. I know why people love this because if also it's a book agent. So like if you like books, there's a lot of book talk in it. Uh-huh. So you get to play with that. You get to you get to like hang, like learn about the book world and the agent world, but also it plays with these tropes in an interesting way. I just That's think it's like so, such a charming All little right, I should read this. Charming little book. Uh, what, what about you? What, what do you think should get adapted? This is a last minute edition. I read so many 2022 books in, in, in November and the beginning of December. And I'm picking White Horse by Erica T. Worth. It looks very good. I haven't read it. This book was basically made for me. It is about a woman who's a, huge fucking metalhead she's obsessed with megadeth and um her she know like she knows that her mother died when she was young and the and her death caused her dad to like like have a breakdown and get in a car accident and become severely disabled and he basically doesn't speak anymore uh so she sort of she hates her mom and she like really hates her mom's memory and she blames all the problems in her life on her mom like she has never had a boyfriend she's never gotten close to anyone she really she she like works at a bar and takes care of her dad and like listens to megadeth albums and um one day uh her cousin who's also her best friend like they, she meets her at the bar and she's like oh hey we were going through this stuff stuff in this attic and we found this box and um we found your um, some stuff of your mom's and one of them is this like cool bracelet. I thought you might want it. 
And the second that the main character starts touching this bracelet, she starts getting these visions. Hmm. Uh, and she realizes that her mom is, her, the ghost of her mom is trying to get her to solve something. What has, the reason why it would happen to her. Because her mom disappeared, but no one really, they just assumed her mom died or went off with somebody or abandoned them because it was when she was a baby hmm. so she just assumes that her mom may be like living it up with some other husband some other, in some other family somewhere but she quickly realizes that her mom wants her to solve what's going on and it is very heavily influenced by twin peaks oh wow of course you like love this there's even yes. a tiny side character called cooper like wow. it is very twin peaksy wow 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 if you love the scenes in twin peaks that take place in the bang bang uh and the uh in the roadhouse yeah in the bang bang uh bar um where there's like weird visions I happening that. yeah it is so twin peaksy oh that's cool and because of that and because the main character is like this cool fucking metalhead it would just be this book would make such a good movie I, or a series like it's just so good the characters are great everyone like it's really really funny all like her you know the people she works with and um her best friend who's like nothing at all like her and loves wearing glittery sparkly t-shirts and does not want to listen to megadeth ever um and it's just it would make oh God, it would be so good it's just it's oh and i like for a, a big important thing is that she is native american mm. and uh so she works at like a bar that specifically is like uh caters to a like a native crowd and that's something that like so uh the bracelet that she gets she like brings she has it's like a um it's a like beautiful piece of like native art and she has to take it to uh to all these people and she ends up uh going to the local um native american center and kind of like reconnecting with those people and they tell her stuff about her mom because her mom was really involved and um there's an acronym i can't remember but like this movement that was happening in the 70s to like you know, really rally for Native American rights. And her mom was really involved in this people who think that that's part of the reason why she disappeared because she got too involved in activism and people didn't like it. Mm. Um, and it's, oh God, it's just, it's so fucking good. All of that plus Twin Peaks and metal. I was like, please give me this movie. <laughs> it's made for me. Um, all right, Bria, final thoughts on our on our favorite books of 2022. First of all, we've been talking for a very long time. So thanks to anyone who's stuck around for this, this is a very, very, long very episode. special episode of Reading Glasses. We've been talking for like an hour and a half. But we love books. We do love books. I think you should read Anatomy of Love Story. I have it. I wanted it on my list, but I didn't have room. And, you know, I like YA. It's YA. But I, I do think, like, if I had picked a YA book, this would have definitely been one. But oh, And I, I, I can tell you why I didn't. I have it on my list and I haven't picked it up. It's because the plot is sort of similar to a book I read earlier this year called The Corpse Queen. Oh, yeah. I know about that. Yeah. It is like... And once I tell you about it, you'll be like, oh, I get it. It's about this girl and she is an orphan and she gets adopted by this woman who wants her to help dig up graves uh, but she wants to become a doctor yeah okay so this is similar and she and it, uh and she ends up falling in love with this guy who's a grave digger oh yeah i do remember you reading it's this so similar and yeah. i'm sure they're both amazing books but of course sure yeah course Queen came out first and i read it earlier this year and i kept picking up anatomy a love story and i was like i need more time for this other story yeah, you like do. fade you from my brain i just think you should i just feel like it the sequel's been. coming out Oh, cool. Or there's some other book. It's like, it's similar because the this book has a woman and she's sitting and her dress is arranged so it looks like a heart. Yes. This one is, a, is her dress is arranged so it looks like a brain. Oh, cool. And I'm very excited. I'm like, I got it. So I just got to wait for this other book. To leave your head. To leave my head and then I'm going to read it. Okay. Any final thoughts from you? 
God, there's so much horror on this list. I know it shouldn't be a surprise because I'm obsessed with horror. It's my favorite genre. But I read a lot of fantasy and romance and literary fiction this year. I think it was just a banger year for horror. We had a Paul book. We had a Rachel book. We had a Sarah yeah. Gailey book that was a horror instead of like sci-fi or 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 noir mm-hmm. or something else. So I just think there was a lot of my favorite authors came out with horror books this year. Because I was like, and Ian Reid. I was like, man, there's mm. a lot of fucking horror on this list this year. So maybe next year I'll try to read more other more romance more literary fiction more fantasy um or stick with what you like or that historical horror that takes place in scotland about a woman coming returning home because somebody has died well that's basically historic that's what love i mean mean, love story is you just described it i know it it takes place in scotland it's in edinburgh it's like the hot hot place god 2023 maybe sometime sometime we got to take up uh tl huchu's offer and go to the edinburgh book fair we love it anyone who works at the edinburgh book fair is listening to this Please please fly us out. We would happy to do an event there. We want to go so bad. Uh, if you want to email us and and tell us your favorite picks, please do. But we we love doing this. It's our favorite episode of the year. Uh, as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who are in our internet spaces. Uh, our Facebook group, our, the mods are amazing over there. And Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, it's towards the end of the year. Maybe you want to spend some Christmas gift cards or you want to get us a Christmas present by helping us feed our cats, you can buy reading glasses, merch, and our Void merch store. There's the My Other Car is a TBR list. There are do, uh, Ask Me What I'm Reading tote bags. There are reading glasses shirts. Uh, there are There's book slut stickers. <laughs> there's libraries are fucking awesome mugs. There's so many great stuff over there. So much great stuff over there. And there are uh, very family-friendly versions of all that as well. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, hey, this is our biggest episode of the year and we put a lot of work into it and it would be really, really great if you showed us uh, your appreciation by giving us a review and a rating on the podcast listening app of your choice. It will only take you 60 seconds, maybe even less. Uh, You gotta do it on your phone, uh, not on a browser. Uh, It really, really means a lot to us and really, really has a... uh, measurable effect positive effect on the show we really appreciate that thank you thank you in advance and you can re- email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks for reading thanks for reading 